Is this thing? Yeah, I think it is. I think I think it's recording. Mic check one two um twelve. If you're listening to this, it means I pulled it off. I actually did it. I actually started a podcast. The mediocre YouTuber is dabbling in the realm of podcast. Only problem is, I really have no idea what this is actually going to be about. I don't even have a plan. I'm not even sure if this is actually going to be any good. podcast i'm just gonna be trumping it okay no facts no research no political correctness none of that shit i'm just gonna talk about random stuff shooting straight from the hip nothing but straight bars of just raw emotion as the saying goes on the journey of a thousand miles and whatnot it's the courage to take the first step forward that boys and girls is the hardest part do you know what this feels a lot like when i first started the life of brian just me chilling in my basement in paris gray white beater on trying to look swole I wore this lav mic and I only realized like 10, 12 episodes in that the mic actually wasn't working at all. <laughs> I mean, the vast majority of the Life of Brian videos that I've made have just been an absolute fuck up, haven't they? For years, I'd watch YouTube videos and every time I think to myself, what, you just chill there talking shit in front of a camera, a bit of background music? How hard could that be? <laughs> Turns out, very. My YouTube channel is by no means big. I mean, realistically, I don't think it'll ever reach that sort of 100k plus point. What am I on? Like, what, 15, 16,000 subs? Don't get me wrong, I appreciate every single person that has watched, commented, subscribed to my videos, but I mean, realistically, who's kidding who? It's taken me almost three years to get, what, just over 15,000 subscribers. I've seen videos of little kids who have videos of themselves spinning fidget spinners. Oh, that's a tricky word to say. F- spinning fidget spinners. These kids are f- spinning fucking fidget spinners, and they're like half my age, and they've done like 10 times the work I've done on YouTube in a fraction of the time. Every week I'm fighting to post a video, but a part of me is just like, <laughs> just just stop, Brian, okay? Nobody's watching. Nobody gives a shit. Your videos suck. Just quit, okay? But then another part of me is like, don't give up, Brian. Have faith. They'll they'll come one by one. Just, just keep believing. <laughs> fucking hell. Nihilism is a serious challenge, isn't it? I don't know, maybe I don't post enough videos, maybe maybe I need more clickbaity titles and thumbnails instead of using these riddles that only me and maybe what five or six other people are actually gonna get. Maybe I need more cameos from like famous rugby players just standing around in the picture even though they're not actually in the video. That's what the kids want, Brian. That that's where you're fucking up. You gotta mislead them to attract them. But if I'm honest, I'm I'm not sure I could do any of that sort of stuff. I think the only way I can make YouTube videos is by myself, which unfortunately is the Achilles heel of the whole operation. I guess I've always believed that if you build it, they will come. But, you know, three years down the line, I'm thinking, "Mm, maybe you're wrong, Brian. But then I'll be in Ireland or England or France or some shit playing a match. And then right after the game, you know, it's customary for everyone to shake hands, you know, well played, all that type of shit. And almost every single time someone will come up to me, look me in the eye and shake my hand and go, oh, Brian, I watch all your videos, man. Every week. They're so dope. And every time I grab the guy's hand, I shake it, I look him in the eye and I go, oh, thanks, man. That's really nice of you to say. But in my head, I'm like, really? You like my videos, huh? Fucking hell, you got 100,000 followers on Twitter. You never thought to help me out with a retweet, thumbs up, nothing, huh? Fucking hell. Fuck off. Well, obviously, I don't say that. I just sort of shake their hand, smile, and then I walk off. But then I get on the bus, whatever, and we head home. But in my head, I work myself up into this massive frenzy. And by the time I get home, I'm just like, you know what? Fuck this YouTube shit. I'm done. And sometimes it'll take me a few days to come back around. But then eventually I do. And then I get back to trying to make yet another video. Because at the end of the day, whether anyone's watching or not, I, I really like making the videos. I just wish, you know, I don't know what I wish for. Fuck, you got to be careful what you wish for, Archer. If you haven't actually watched the first episode of The Life of Brian, you should check it out. It's... 
It's a real treat. I mean, there I am sitting there and my wife beat up, beer in hand, smiling away. Most of the video is like totally out of focus, but that video is probably the most important video I ever made. Because from that moment on, starting a YouTube channel went from being this idea, this thought that was in the back of my head to being this thing that actually existed. <laughs> I actually miss France. Well, do you, Brian? I, I guess so. You know, like living in France was tricky because it was just as good as it was shit. When I lived in France, some of the highs would just be way up there. There'd be some days where I think to myself, wow, I can't believe that this is my life. And then in that exact same day, a few moments later, I'd be thinking to myself, holy shit, this is bullshit. Get me the fuck out of here. Nothing against French people. Shout out to my Renoirs in Paris. Renoir is like a French sort of slang way of referring to brothers but now that i think about it i'm not sure if that's in like a good way or that's in a bad way you know in america and hip-hop music and whatnot they go yo what's up my nigga you know that's that's acceptable that's 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 cool but in south africa if you're like yo what's up my kaffa <laughs> that that sounds like you're in the obvious beer or some shit the obvious beer is like the south african equivalent of like a right-wing kkk nazi type setup fun fact there's only two places in the world that came up with at the time widely acceptable names for black people that's america with niggas and south africa with kaffirs kaffir actually means a really black pot well i think that's correct i don't know hey i'm just trumping it bars of roy motion straight out of a wardrobe believe it or not i am chilling in a wardrobe right now i watched this how to start a podcast video on youtube and this young lady of very confusing ethnic heritage. It's like, hey, if you got a wardrobe big enough, record in there. All the clothing is supposed to limit all the echoing and whatnot, you know, make it sound great. Jeepers, looking around you. <laughs> got a lot of jackets and tracks and whatnot still. Man, I have played for a lot of rugby teams. I gave away most of it, but I still have shit loads. It does sound great though. I think that girl was Indian. Do you know when the first settlers made it to America, they were trying to sail to India. So these guys get to America convinced they're in India. They bump into some locals and the locals are like, yo, are you guys lost? And these guys are like, nah, we meant to sail here. We're in India, right? And the locals are like, nah, bro, this is America. But anyway, fuck all that shit. Now that you're here, do you want to hit us some of this peace pipe? But the white guy snaps and he's like, nah, bro, this is India and you're a fucking Indian. He puts his pistol to one of the local guy's head and blows his brains out in front of everyone. The other locals just froze in panic. They're like, holy shit. I guess we're Indians now. Again, I'm trumping it slightly, but that's pretty much how they invented American Indians, the West Indies, all that shit. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, France. Living in Paris is exactly what you'd imagine it to be. The architecture, the Arc de Triomphe, the Eiffel Tower, the culture, the food, the jambon, the fromage, the baguettes, all of that shit is amazing. But then the day-to-day -day living in Paris as a foreigner, that part, that part is an absolute nightmare. From trying to buy stuff at the supermarket to trying to find out how the kids are doing in school. From talking to coaches to trying to order a Big Mac. Everything is such a fucking hassle. Dealing with people on the phone was almost impossible at times. Anything from trying to order a pizza to trying to talk to someone at the bank. I lost count of the amount of times I was halfway through what I thought was a conversation. And then all of a sudden the person on the other end would just go, sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. And they just hang up on me. Just like that. If you don't parler and immerse yourself in all that kiss cassette stuff, those French people won't give you the time of day. They don't give a shit. But in my experience, I think playing for a big club in France as a rugby player is probably as close as you're going to get to feeling like you play for a big Premier League club in football or something. But I wouldn't recommend going there with a family. It's definitely something you can do when you're single or it's just you and your missus because all you have to do is pack a few bags, hop on a flight and you're there. But when you've got a wife, a few kids, <laughs> it's not that simple. Because Racing 92 are a big club in France. I flew down there, I did my medical, I signed my contract, we shook hands, they said to me, good luck, we'll see you at training. And that was it. Before I got there, they said they'd help me out. They'd help me find a house. They'd get my kids into school. It'd be a smooth transition. But of course, that was bullshit. 
So they tell me to come back to Paris so they can take me around to look at a few houses. I get to Paris, we're looking at these houses, and I quickly realize that, oh shit, these houses actually belong to guys who the club have just sacked. And a lot of the houses, the guys were still in the house with their families and shit. They bring me to this one house and it belongs to this guy who's a tighter prop just like me and his name was Ben Saar and this guy had just been sacked because I was coming to the club and they're walking me through this fucking guy's house and he's sitting in the living room, his wife is in the kitchen, his kids are in the backyard and I'm poking and prodding through his fucking cupboards and shit <laughs> and they didn't even give a fuck and I was just like wow this, this, this is just fucking brutal. I'm walking through this house and this woman's taking me around, she's not even whispering, she's just talking out loud, just being all disrespectful and shit, there's no empathy, no sympathy, <laughs> there's just this big sort of fuck you in the air we're getting rid of you this guy's coming in and i just thought wow i just I, I i can't live here there's no way i'm gonna be able to live in this house so i tell the ladies you know what thanks but no thanks in the back of my head i realized i'm gonna have to find a house of my own so i started looking for a house of my own but i can't just find any house i gotta find a house in a decent neighborhood next to a decent school of course obviously behind the scenes we did our best me my wife my eldest daughter we all did french lessons months before we even arrived in france but once you get on the ground <laughs> it's a whole different story we found a decent house and we fought to get the kids into school and in the end i guess the school turned out to be relatively good i suppose day one we move into the house there's no power there's no gas there's no water we call the estate agency we call the rugby club we call the electric company everyone is just hanging up on us Eventually, after a couple of days, we get that sorted. But from that moment on, everything was a fuck up. We buy a bunch of furniture online. It doesn't arrive for like two months. We ended up not having internet for like three months. My little daughter was just over a year old at the time. It was difficult getting her pediatrician so she get all the vaccinations done. She was struggling with her eyesight and getting an optician that could get her the right glasses was an absolute nightmare. At the school, we quickly found out that the only person that understood a little bit of English was the head teacher and she wasn't going to be involved with any of our kids. My son's a naturally quiet kid, but after about 3-4 months we realized that this guy had actually learned nothing. The teacher wasn't bothering with him, he'd just go to school, no one would talk to him and he'd sit in the corner for like 5 hours. So after school, my wife started homeschooling him. My eldest was the exception though, I mean she was just thriving and here's this little girl going to school in a foreign language and she's doing so well that they made her skip a grade. She is crazy book smart, I've lost count of the amount of time she did some shit and I just looked at her and I told myself, wow. There's no fucking way that this is my kid. Like honestly, it is insane. So here I am in Paris of all places, signed to one of the richest clubs in the world, gig of a lifetime. But straight off the bat, my family is hating it. Now the club itself was unreal, trust me. I've been around the block quite a few times and I've trained at rugby clubs all around the world. From Johannesburg to Cape Town, from Christchurch to Hong Kong, from Rome to Swansea for goodness sakes. And I tell you with no exaggeration whatsoever, compared to Racing Metro, every other place I've been to in comparison is an absolute shithole. Their training facility had just about everything. Great gym, indoor training, outdoor training, artificial surfaces both indoors and outdoors, swimming pools, restaurant for the players. It was... It was nothing I'd ever seen before. You get there and they give you a brand new car for free. Now granted it is a Prius but you got no monthly payments, you got no insurance payments so I guess you can't bite the hand that feeds you. But you drive to the club in your free car, you park your car and you head inside the building. So now you're in the pre-changing room and there you got your own little section that's where you keep your boots, your trainers, your mouth guard, you pick up your clean laundry and you head into the actual change room. In the actual change room you got yet another little section to yourself and that's where you keep your clothes, you lock up your valuables, you get changed and you head upstairs. Now upstairs is like a player's room slash restaurant and there you'll find a guy whose only job is making coffees, like a full-on barista at a high-end coffee shop. This guy's grinding beans, frothy milk, espressos, cappuccinos, lattes, the works. You look around and all you can see are fresh croissants, baguettes, pan au chocolat, granola, they got all that shit so you're like shit, I'm gonna kick back, treat myself to a little breakfast so you grab yourself a little espresso, maybe a croissant demand. 
Then after that, you head outside and you train. And of course, it is long, it is hard, it is brutal. But after that, you come back inside, you take a swim, or you just chill in the hot tub. You shower up, you come back upstairs. Oh, look, it's lunchtime and there's two meat options. Of course, you know how it is. Niggas don't eat duck. So you pass that up, you pick up the salmon. Now, of course, you do want the duck or if it's a steak day, you can tell the chef exactly how you want your steak cooked. You grab yourself a little espresso, you kick back on the sofa and they cook your meat exactly the way you like it. They really love stretching the days out in France. I mean, say you finish the lunch around 1, 1.30. The next session will only be starting like 3.30, 4 o'clock. So you head downstairs and take a nap because, of course, they had a full-on nap room. Now, we're not just talking about a beanbag in the corner here. We're talking about a nice, dark, air-conditioned room. Individual beds, clean sheets, clean pillows, a little plug to charge your phone. So you take a nap for about an hour or so, you get up, you head outside, and you go back to training. Again, it's long, it's brutal, it's physical. But while you're out there, they bring in seven or eight masseuses, and they turn the nap room into a massage room. Once you're done training, you come back inside and you shower up. Maybe you treat yourself to a nice half an hour long massage, maybe you chill in the hot tub. Maybe you head upstairs and grab yourself another espresso. Or if you're anything like me, you hop into your Prius and you just get the fuck out of there. Now the club are paying half your rent, so of course now you live in a fucking mansion. So you pull up at your house and you park your Prius. It was kind of weird, but the basement of the house where I lived was actually bigger than the perimeter of the house on top of it. You could actually park like four or five cars in there. So of course, instead of cars, I put a big massive brewery in there. Three or four industrial sized fridges, aging beers, fermenters, TV, Xbox, sofas, the works. So I'd get home, I'd walk around, I'd check on my beers, my fermentations and whatnot. And then I'd head upstairs and I'd find my wife just hating life. Getting three kids through all that friendship on a day-to-day basis was just slowly taking its toll on her. Now for me personally, I was liking it as much as I was hating it. Because I was playing like every single game, but I was almost always on the bench. I wasn't exactly shitting the bed, but I wasn't lighting up the stage either. So I guess for us as a family, as a whole, it was a great thing for us to experience. But after two years or so, I think we'd all had enough. And luckily we managed to sneak back into the UK. How many, geez, how many minutes have I spent talking about France? How long have I been going for? I, I wanted to talk about random stuff that happened to me, like the pure fire that is the new Jay-Z album. Have you listened to that thing? <laughs> Hov's got bars, bro. Or how about that crazy British Lions game? You watch that shit. <laughs> you know, fun fact, the same way they invented American Indians is the exact same way they invented British Lions. Again, I'm trumping the story slightly, but trust me, very similar strategy. It's been a good series, though. I think it's been fair, but I've got to say... <laughs> That that red card, bro. I, I'm I'm on the fence about that one. I I don't know. I mean, I know, I get it. It was a big shot, shoulder to the face. The optics weren't great, but there's this sort of weird devolution. Devolution is that is that even a word? Yeah, fuck it. There's this devolution in rugby that's that's really starting to bug me. I don't know if it's because I'm an older player or if I'm just too much of a thug purist, but rugby is sort of devolving. I'm, I'm, I'm going strong with that word. I hope it is a word. But rugby is like sort of devolving into this other thing that I'm really not comfortable with. It's like in recent years, everything has just gone up a notch. I mean, most things that were free kicks are now penalties. Most things that are penalties are now yellows. I'm watching TV and I'm thinking, oh, that's just a yellow. Bang, red card every time. People always make fun of footballers for diving, but I'm telling you, diving in rugby is a thing now. I've seen it on TV, I've been on the field where the opposition have done it, I've had teammates who've done it. I mean, why wouldn't you? If you get nudged in the air or someone hits you a little late, you stay down because chances are you can get that guy sent off. And statistically, when the opposition is a man down, you score 10 points during that period. Because at the end of the day, we're just here to win games by any means necessary. And if the rules allow for it, just like they do in football, fuck it, why wouldn't you? It's just embarrassing. It's almost painful, some of the shit you have to watch nowadays. <laughs> Thank God our buddy Nige wasn't riffing the game this weekend. He would have had a fucking field day with that one. Now, don't get me wrong. The guy is definitely one of, if not the best referees in the world right now. That goes without saying, no question, point blank, period. However, 
<laughs> However, there is this <laughs> there's this weird sort of theatrical element to his refereeing that I just personally don't care for. He has these little antics that he does and he knows the commentators, the general public, they eat that shit up. And every chance he gets, I feel like he plays to that, he puts on a little show, you know, to give everyone a hot take. Every once in a while during a big game, like halfway through a play, he'll just blow his whistle, stop the game, causing two players for a little monologue. While the player's walking towards him, he adjusts his pants, all eyes on me, hair gel back, personalized white boots. Why the fuck is a ref wearing personalized white boots? And why is the camera zooming in on his boots when we're trying to watch a fucking scrum? I mean, this shit is ridiculous. Have you ever watched a Premier League football game where Mark Clattenburg or someone has blown his whistle and called in Zlatan, called in Vincent Company so he can give him some bullshit monologue about how oh, he's the one at the whistle and everyone else should shut the fuck up? Not once, not ever. Why the fuck does it happen in rugby? Or have you ever missed a free kick because for some reason, instead of being focused on the ball and the goalkeeper, the camera was zoomed in on Martin Atkinson's flash boots. I mean, I mean, come on. Now, full disclosure, I did push him once. I got banned for eight weeks because of it. It was a long time ago. I did my time. I am rehabilitated and I'm over it. I was innocent, but I'm, I'm over it. Okay. He, he's a top ref, but my point is these, <laughs> these bullshit antics have to stop. Roman Poir's got the next game. That should be good. I like him. He's a good ref. He actually sent me off a few years back in a Heineken final. And then like four or five hours later, we bumped into each other in a bar. Had a few beers, me, him, and Jérôme Gasset. Uh, I like those French guys. Those are cool dudes, man. Those are cool dudes. This whole Lions series has been good, though. But it is crazy that the best rugby players from four countries, with a Saffa, a few Kiwis, a couple of Tongans peppered in there, played a game against 14 guys from just one country for the better part of 50 minutes, and they only just managed to beat them by three points. But in pubs and living rooms across the UK and Ireland, people were high-fiving and cheering like they'd somehow gone against the odds and conquered the All Blacks. It was almost like the game the week before hadn't even happened. People just quickly forgot that when the All Blacks had 15 men on the field, that game wasn't even fucking close. There wasn't one moment in the game where you thought to yourself, oh, maybe the Lions might not for one fucking second were they ever in that game. <sighs> this weekend's going to be interesting. Now, I might be wrong, but I've got a feeling that this week is going to be a lot like it was two weeks ago. The All Blacks are going to come out on some cup of pango shit, kneeling down, slitting throats, and then the game's going to start, and from minute one, they're going to kick fuck out of the British Lions. I don't want to, but I've actually ended up talking a shitload about rugby. I don't want you guys thinking this is some kind of rugby podcast or some shit, okay? That genre is already flooded with guys who've never actually played the game at any significant level whatsoever, yet <laughs> there they are. And for some reason, thousands of people tune in every week to listen to these, at best, amateurs who could never do it, slating professionals with their baseless punditry. I did a life of Brian about this type of shit, because in this day and age, I mean, you'd never, if, when you go to a doctor, right, you get into the office, you see his fucking diploma there, so then when, he, when he walks out and he tells you, hey man, you got fucking cancer, you can look at his diploma and say, you know what, I might have cancer. But when if you walk into some fucking random guy's office, he's just got a fucking a piece of paper on his desk, he got no qualifications whatsoever, why the fuck would you listen to him if he... <sighs> okay, oh, we, okay, Brian, we get it off off, off the soapbox. Uh, the point is, this is not a rugby podcast. <laughs> okay, I think we'll uh, end it on that. You know, this whole podcast thing wasn't even supposed to happen. I was actually trying to make a Life of Brian video, then a whole bunch of drama happened and it completely threw me off. And my agent told me not, he specifically said not to talk about this. Fuck it. I'm sorry, Jason, I have to mention this. Now, earlier this week, there's this guy who hit me up and he was fucking furious with me, calling me all sorts of names, threatening to sue me and shit. <laughs> you see, about a couple of weeks ago, I made, I made a video, okay? About a 12 minute video. And 99.9% .9 of that video was just me. But in that video, there's like a four or five second clip of somebody else. And because of that four or five second clip, all hell broke loose. 
to keep a very long story short, I had to delete the video, you know, to try to make peace and shit, because I, I didn't want to fight it, I didn't want to cause trouble, I didn't, I'm not in this video thing to make beef, okay, I just do it for fun, that is, that is it, that is my only agenda, I make YouTube videos for fun, full stop. Okay, before I get myself into more trouble, I'm, I'm just going to stop now, all right? Jason, if you're listening, I'm sorry, all right? It's over. That's it. I'm done. It's just that this whole thing just kind of threw me off, you know? I, I didn't realize it was going to turn into this big, massive thing. Because behind the scenes, I'm still injured. I'm still bouncing around from one confused specialist to another. And now there's cats out here threatening me about some shit I didn't even say. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just put the camera down and, and minimize this whole YouTube tab for a bit, all right? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully this shit will blow over. Oh, my God. Ryan, why do you do this to yourself? We don't know. And right now, these doctors are talking six months out of rugby. They're saying it's a nerve thing. I might need like some sort of blood transfusion thing. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's a nightmare. And now all you cats are sending me these messages, these mentions, these DMs. Brian, you're with the fuck of the videos. What's going on with the videos? I mean, come on, guys. Give me a break. Let me just take a second, all right? Catch my breath. Figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm on a tough wicket right now. Just give me a break, all right? Uh, but hey, that's me. I'm done for the week. Now, this might be the start of something new, but chances are this is probably just going to be a one-off. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But whatever this turns out to be, thanks for listening, man. And please do me a favor. Follow me on the gram at LTavern. And if you're into good beer, hopefully soon you can help support my shenanigans and treat yourself to a couple of cool beers. Okay, that's it. Episode one. I'm done. Peace, love, and all that good shit. Right. How the fuck do you get this thing on iTunes? Far from